Hey friends! Okay, I am really excited for you to hear this episode. It's probably one of my favorites so far. I had the lovely Amber Brzezicki from Biceps After Babies on for a chat about macros and intuitive eating, and we had some good conversation about how these worlds can coexist and what it might look like how they coexist in your life. So I'm really excited. This whole episode felt quotable to me. I kept telling Amber everything she was sharing just felt like it needed to be on a quote somewhere. So I hope that you enjoy this episode. I hope that it helps you find that happy middle. We talk so much on this podcast about finding the balance and going away from the extremes, right? The extreme ends of things. And Amber and I found so much middle ground, so much balance that I think you guys are really going to enjoy this episode. So without further ado, let me introduce Amber to you. Welcome to the Woman of Wellness podcast, a show for the woman who wants to make peace with food, love her body, and find joy in exercise and movement. I'm Elizabeth, exercise physiologist and women's nutrition and wellness coach here to spread the message that it is absolutely possible for you to enjoy food, exercise, and your body without guilt, shame, or regret. To the woman who is fed up with dieting, feels trapped in a body she wishes she could love, or who lets food and fitness rules overtake her life, it's time to put a hard stop on diet culture and discover wellness within. My friend, you are already a woman of wellness. Your worth is more than a number on the scale. You are worthy of showing up in love for your body today and every day. On this podcast, I want you to show up as yourself, beautifully imperfect and gain confidence to accomplish anything you set your mind to. I believe that every woman has the gift of knowing what her body truly wants and needs within herself and I'm here to help you discover it. Join me each week for conversations about food, fitness, weight loss, and wellness to help you achieve your goals and love taking care of your unique body. It's a lie that wellness has to be hard, painful, and downright miserable, and I'm ready to link arms with you and experience the joy of wellness together. Okay, welcome. I am so excited to have Amber here. Amber, it's Amber Brzezicki, right? Did got I get it. it? You got it. <laughs> I'm so excited. And um, we've had a really great conversation on your podcast already. And I think it was such a great conversation. And today, um, I just want to kind of keep going with it. We found so much common ground. And I'm really excited to keep this conversation going and and bring you in for my audience. You know, we have some similarities, we have some differences, and I think it's going to be really good to um, just keep the conversation going. So before we go anywhere, will you just tell us all about you? (laughs) Yes, absolutely. Yeah. And I am so excited to have this conversation because um, when I brought Elizabeth onto my podcast, Biceps After Babies Radio, and I just looked it up, it's episode 108. Um, like we just like jived. It was just such a fun conversation because it was like this back and forth where we were like, ah, someone gets it. Like, I feel like, I feel like, um, we may come from these like vastly different, uh, 
seemingly opposing like viewpoints, right? It's like, and I feel like that's kind of this battle and war that's been set up on social media. Now it's like the intuitive eaters versus the macro counters and diet culture versus body positivity. And it's like, it's like you have to pick your side and you have to pick, you have to war with anybody who's on the other side. And it was so neat to get on that, that, um, that podcast and just have this experience of like, we have a lot more similarities than differences. And I think whenever we spend time to like actually get to know people and actually get to talk to people, we, we tend to recognize that, that we have more similarities than differences. So anyway, um, but a little about me, uh, my name is Amber Brzezicki and I'm the founder and owner of Biceps After Babies. And uh, my real focus is helping women to be able to create a customized plan for themselves that is both effective and enjoyable. And uh, so often life and culture and society and experience has taught women that they have to pick between those two things. They have to pick either it can be really enjoyable and they like can just eat whatever they want. And it's just like, it fits their, their lifestyle and everything that they want from life, or it can be effective and they can actually see results. And so it sets up this, this, this power struggle between a lot of women where they're like, okay, today I'm choosing, it's going to be effective. And I'm going to like stick to my diet and I'm going to stick to my plan. And then they are sad because they don't get to eat the cookie or because they miss out on the ice cream with their kids or whatever, because they don't feel like it can be both. They have to pick. And so sometimes they pick for it to be enjoyable and they like binge and they like enjoy food. And then sometimes they pick for it to be effective. And what I like to offer to women is that there is a middle ground, like in a Venn diagram, there's an overlap in those, in those two ways of thinking where you can be creating a plan that is enjoyable and, uh, and is actually effective. And when we can find that sweet spot, and here's the thing, Elizabeth, and I know that we'll talk more about this, that is unique. Like that is a unique sweet spot. I can't tell you exactly what your sweet spot is and not everybody's sweet spot is the same place. But when we can start to figure out where your, and that's why I talk about this being customizable, where your unique sweet spot is, where you're able to be, have it be enjoyable and effective, then that's where like the world is open to you. And I love helping women to be able to find that sweet spot. Absolutely. And I love that because one of the things that I teach is helping women connect value and, the, and their values with wellness with guidelines and parameters, right? So recognizing that what they eat and how they fuel their body can help them show up for the life that they want to live. And I think that's really where our connection is. And, and we're both, I think, a little selective on, you know, who we allow onto our podcast. And, and you know, that perspective there is, is all about creating that connection of the value with those parameters and, and setting those guidelines for yourself. So- yeah. Well, and I'm going to, I'm going to even piggyback off of that because the last thing that you said was setting those guidelines and parameters for yourself. And to me, that's the big difference is like a lot of people are, um, hawking diets. They're like telling people that this is the way that it should be. Here's the right way to do it. Here's the wrong way. And I, and I find that when women come into macro counting, because I teach macro counting as a tool, um, when they come in, they ask me questions like, what's the, what's the right way to set your protein? What's the, what's the right way to like work out in, in connection? What's the right way to do it? And my response is like, there's no right way. This is a tool and we got to figure out how to use this tool for you in the most effective way. And, and so I, I like cringe when people are like trying to fit themselves into diet plans and restrictions and rules and guidelines, like use the word guidelines, but 
those guidelines when they're created by yourself is very different than when you go to someone else and they create those guidelines for you. Absolutely. And you brought in something that I talk a ton about around here is like food labels and food stories. This is good versus bad. This is yes. right versus wrong and getting rid of those and recognizing that there's a place for everything and we have to create that balance mm -hmm. and what it looks like. So the thing that I love is that you've talked a lot about how you've talked a lot about your journey on your own podcast and, and everything. And I would kind of say, and tell me if I'm wrong, that you are an intuitive macro-friendly eater. Would yes. you say that? <laughs> I, I would absolutely say that. Yeah. <clears throat> tell us what that looks like, because we are trying to bridge this gap. So if someone's new and they're like, okay, well, I've done macros and maybe it's been this diet mentality for me, but intuitive eating was like way out there. I couldn't control things. Where do they come together? Yeah, yeah, it's such a good question. Um, and I would say, and that's why I, I talk about using macros as a tool. Um, what I find is a lot of coaches and maybe women who are listening to the podcast who have counted macros and before have had the experience where it just gets turned into another diet. Like it, it just is. Um, they, and But here, I should say, macro counting is not a diet, but it is often turned into a diet. It is often turned into like, here's the right way to count macros and here's the wrong way to count macros. And uh, and so I like, I call that the macro dieter and I have lots of macro dieters who come to my program. Um, and I talk about changing you from a macro dieter to becoming a macro scientist. And a macro scientist is somebody who understands the physiology and like the nutrition because you and i know that like science doesn't care if you believe in it or not like <laughs> science is science and there is science in terms of nutrition um so the macro scientist understands that and they understand how to wield it in a way that works for them by we call it putting on your scientist hat when you're looking at data points instead of getting all emotional about the scale we can put our scientist hat on and ask ourselves questions about um what what actions that I take, what results that I get, and what new things do I want to take moving forward. So I definitely utilize macro counting as a tool, but not as a diet. And I think that's a really important distinction. And then I will say that my experience with macro counting and, and utilizing it to be able to, I, I've kind of gone through everything. I went through a cut and got a six pack. Uh, then I wanted to add muscle. And so I used macro counting to align with building muscle and was able to grow a ton of muscle in a short period of time. And then I wanted to be strong and I wanted to get a 300 pound deadlift. And so I used macro counting to support those goals. And so it, like in every stage of my life I, or every stage of like my fitness journey, I was able to use macro counting because it's a tool and it can be utilized in different ways to support those goals. But now, now I don't count anything. Like I'm not at the point where I track anything or I, or I log anything or I count anything. Um, instead, I use what I have learned, you know, the habits that I have established, the information that I learned about portion sizes and things during that time period, and I eat in a much more intuitive way. So do I hit 130 grams of protein every day? Heck no, I don't. Um, and that's okay because I figured out what works for me and what works for my body and what works for what I want to create. And um, it's this beautiful place like you're talking about of like understanding nutrition, understanding macros, understanding the science, like the science doesn't go away. <laughs> you're eating macros every single day, whether you're tracking them or not. So I understand that. And then at the other end, I've been able to really make choices and like 
honor those choices, right? Some days I'm more hungry than others and I will eat more. And sometimes I'm less hungry than others and I will eat less, right? And that's not a control thing. It's a being able to um, use my brain. See, I kind of think of like macro counting as like using your brain and uh, intuitive eating is like using your body and those like body cues. And people think they have to pick one or the other. <laughs> and I'm like, why can't we use both? <laughs> yeah. Why can't we use our brain and our body excuse and being able to mesh those two things together? So yes, that's where I would say that I am currently at. And that's where I want to get my clients to. And I think, you know, kind of where you want to get your clients to is like, let's use both. Let's not pick. <laughs> let's use our brain and our body. Yeah. You know, it's funny, kind of in preparation for this chat, I was thinking about like, what, what was my relationship with macros? Like mm -hmm. I really counted macros, but then I realized that I have six years of college and nutrition training, yes. training under my belt. And I realized that like, I am a macro friendly intuitive eater already because mm -hmm. I understand the principles of nutrition. Yes. And I don't think I ever realized that. Like, I don't think I've ever said that out loud, but I think that's the message that like we want to share is I talk a lot about helping women have a happy relationship with food. And I want to go deeper and say, let's have a happy relationship with nutrition. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Having the, having happy stories with food and our bodies and stuff like that. Like we need that. That's a solid foundation, but we also need to understand nutrition. And I love, you brought up scientists and I call it detective work and I feel like we're best there friends now. <laughs> Totally. Yeah. And, and I, that's what I find when a lot of women come into macro counting is that that first little while is just like explosions of knowledge that they never understood before because they didn't take a nutrition class in college. They didn't ever like learn this stuff. They didn't even ever know what a carb was. They didn't know that bananas had carbs in them. Right. And so that first experience is just, you learn so much. And I always say, I don't necessarily think macro counting is the right tool for everybody. But I think ev most people, I will never say every single person, but most people would really value from tracking their food for two weeks. Whether or not you're like trying to hit any macros or anything, but just learning what is in your food and opening your eyes a little bit to that nutrition. I think there's so much value in that. And then whether you wanna use that as a tool in the future, you know, whatever, but I think you're right. The, the basic understanding about nutrition is not there for 90, 95% of adult women. Yeah. So what would you say to the woman that, you know, when you said like, oh, track a couple of weeks, what, what would you say to the woman that, that that's a trigger, a yeah. trigger of like tracking, counting when that comes up, what would you say to them? Yeah, it's a great question. Um, and I think there's a difference between, uh, you know, what is and, and the actual acting of act, action of tracking and uh, the relationship that you have with tracking, right? Those are, those are different things. And um, somebody can experience tracking in a very different way than somebody else. And so what I like to have clients do and how I like to have clients approach it is just from a, from a data collection, which is why I like to use like the idea of a scientist. The reason that a lot of women have that as a trigger is because in the past, whenever they've used tracking, it has been a method of control, right? It's been a method of like keeping things in line. It's, it's been almost like a punishment. It's been, um, I can't have that, right? Because, and that's what I say, like a lot of people take macro counting and turn it into diet because they're like, I can't have it. It doesn't fit into my macros. 
well, like you're the boss and like you can have whatever you want. And when we can come from that place of making the decision rather than letting your macros make the decision, it's a much more empowering place. So for someone who it's a trigger, I would ask you, what causes it to be a trigger? Like what's coming up for you when you're logging? What are the thoughts that are going through your head when you're plugging in your food? Uh, because often it's, it's judgment. Like judgment is what's coming through. And when we can start to move from a place of judgment to a place of curiosity, it's a very powerful shift for a lot of people to make. And so innately when people start tracking, they, they start judging. I eat too much, I eat too little, I like did this bad, this is good. Um, they do the classic only track what they think is good. And then when they when it's like something bad, then they don't track it, right? That's a very classic um, pattern. Uh, and, and it's kind of evidence that you're looking again at this as like a, a diet. But when we just look at it as like gathering information uh, and just opening your eyes to what you're already doing. And I think that's the key right there is like, you're already doing it. like. I liken it to my, you know, now my seven-year-old, but when he was like three years old and it'd be like, mommy, play hide and seek. And then he would like cover his eyes and like think that I couldn't see him <laughs> because he was covering his eyes. And I feel like that's a lot of women with food is like, this, these things are already happening. You cannot change what you do not acknowledge. So let's start with the first step of acknowledging. So I coach my clients through just data collection, two weeks of data collection. I usually do a week because my women want to get started, but I really recommend two weeks of data collection and practicing as just having it be that, just data collection. It's not good. It's not bad. You don't have to judge it, right? And every time that judgment comes up, we can start to work through that. <laughs> but when that judgment comes up, recognizing that, that it's just data collection. We're not, not trying to change anything. We're just opening your eyes and bringing awareness to what is already happening. Yeah. And eliminating the judgment, right? Like getting yes. rid of that judgment that if I eat what I would classify as a quote, bad food, that doesn't make me a bad person or, yeah. you know, that I messed up or anything. It's just identifying. And I, and I think I love that, that you're saying, you know, let's start learning about how nutrition supports our body, mm -hmm. you know, and what can it do for our body? Mm -hmm. So can I add a disclaimer? Yeah. <clears throat> Now, I, again, I will never say that everybody should do it. And I would say someone who's coming from like a disordered eating or an eating disorder background, I think it's really important to understand that while I totally believe, totally believe you can get there, that may not be the first step for you. So somebody who is coming from a more disordered background, jumping all the way into tracking may, may be a recipe for disaster. Now, I totally believe you can get there and you, I believe you can get to tracking without judgment, but that may not be the first step. So what I don't want someone to do is like, oh, Amber says that I should just track without judgment. And like, <laughs> you're coming from a like 10 year anorexia, you know, past, and that may not be the first step. Yeah. You, you went right where I was going to go. So that's yeah. perfect. <laughs> Yeah. I, because that's something that I, I deal a lot with women that really need some deep healing with their relationship with food, but also with their relationship with their body, Yeah, you know, and, and figuring out that relationship and how to heal that relationship. And, um, I think that that is, I'm glad that you brought that up as like identifying where you are and meeting yourself where you are right now. Yes. There's no right or wrong answer. There's, you don't have to be ready for something right now. And there are steps that need to be taken to help you be successful in those areas. And so one of the questions, now that you kind of brought that up, one of the things that um, 
you know, I wanted to talk about is you're saying, okay, we want to, if, if macros is a place, has a place in your life and you want to try that with a non-diet approach, you know, mm-hmm. having that like scientist hat on, mm-hmm. are there any prerequisites and are there any red flags? I know we kind of talked about the red flags, but like, what would make someone feel like, okay, I have a goal I want to achieve or, or I want to do better with my nutrition. How do I know if I might be ready to go down that path? Yeah, that's really good. That's, that's a great question. Um, and I think we can think of it on a continuum, you know, so at one side, there may be someone with a disordered eating past or an eating disorder. And at the other side, it's someone who has like a totally healthy relationship with their body and with food and with all of the things, right? So we have these like two extremes and then there's a whole lot of gradient (laughs) in between there. And so I think you're kind of asking like where on that continuum is an ideal place to start to introduce a tool such as macro counting. And when is, if you're on this great, you know, on this gradient, where is it maybe more harmful than good? And I definitely think the closer you get to that other, that side of of the gradient where it's more that disordered eating, I think the tool of macro counting uh, loses its uh, ability to keep you in the right state of mind. Um, and while you move over to the other side, maybe like I have people who you have a, real, a really great relationship with their body, a really great relationship with like food, but they just don't, they just lack the nutritional understanding of how to fuel their body, right? So those would be two extremes. But I would say in the middle, um, you know, some of the things that are really important before you're going into, um, a deficit or for your, before you're going into counting macros or utilizing this as a tool, it is important to have uh, some of those fundamentals to, that you kind of talked about at the beginning of those, like understanding your values, understanding your relationship with your body and your relationship with food and doing that work first, <laughs> like doing that work first. Now, when people come into my program, we kind of do that work simultaneously. And the reason that I do that is because <laughs> I found <laughs> that most women don't want to do that work first, right? They want they want to like jump into like the weight loss, like that's what they really want. And so I find that I, like I can I can capture more women if I'm like, okay, cool, come on in. We're gonna talk about weight loss. We're gonna get you there. I'm gonna like teach you how to do it. And then I like also insert the other stuff like along the way. It's like giving them their like vitamins while I'm giving them <laughs> what they what they want. Um, so I kind of do them simultaneously, but I love that. Um, and I think, I think Elizabeth, you would work with somebody who is a little bit further left than maybe I would. Um, and when I say left, I mean like closer <laughs> to that, like eating disorder, right? Has a really terrible relation or not terrible, has an ineffective relationship with their body. Um, and being able to move them a little closer to like, let's focus on like getting you to have a better relationship. Not, not a great, not a wonderful, not a perfect relationship with your body. Let's just get you to have a better relationship with your body, a better relationship with food. Let's move you along that continuum a little bit. Speaking to what you were saying, meeting them where there are and moving them along that continuum. So I think if we're talking about who we work with, I would say you work with people a little bit further left on the continuum. And I work with people a little bit who maybe don't have a perfect relationship with their body, but it's not such a, I don't know, it's not such a disordered relationship um, that we like really need to address that first before we move on to utilizing tools. Hello, my friends. I am so excited to announce that coaching applications for one-on-one wellness coaching with me are officially open. 
If you are a woman who has struggled with your relationship with food, your relationship with your body, you struggle with guilt, shame, self-sabotage, or any of the things that you're trying to work through to achieve the vision of what a woman of wellness is for you and becoming that woman of wellness in your life, this is for you. I love meeting you where you are and coaching you through all of those things to help you achieve that vision. So if you are looking to work one-on-one with a coach and work through all of these things, this is for you. I invite you to go to awomanofwellness.com forward slash coaching to apply to coach with me today. Yeah, absolutely. And I, you, you totally hit it right there. I mean, that's kind of where our, our, our women differ a little bit is, mm-hmm. is really like, I go into that, like, let's really heal this relationship yes. with your body. If you've dieted most of your life, if you've had a hard relationship with your body, we have to create that. I call it body. So it's in my food freedom program, but we call it our a body freedom practice where you're, you can create freedom in your body so that then we can then we can bring in those principles that we talk about yeah. without the guilt, the shame, all of those things that come up when there's not, there's healing that hasn't taken place, right? It's about building that foundation. And so, you know, recognizing like you've got to have that foundation before you can go anywhere and yeah. just identifying like where you are with that foundation. Yeah. And I will say for anybody who is listening to this podcast, Elizabeth is totally right. Like if I could take every woman through like the perfect like sequence of events to get to where they want to go, I would start exactly where Elizabeth is starting with clients. Um, And so I'm so happy that like you offer that and you recognize and help teach women that that really is like, if we can start without foundation, that's like really solid, then we could like the sky's the limit with like the type of building you can build, right? If you have like this shaky foundation, can we start to build a building? Yeah, like I can start to build a building with you, but how much bigger, how much grander could that building be if you spent time on the foundation? So I wish more women would understand that and would start there and do the work there. I recognize that not everyone is there and willing to like do that first. And so I offer something that isn't like that, but if I can make it perfect, (laughs) I would say, Start with what Elizabeth is is talking about. Start with what Elizabeth's offering. Yeah, you know, it's funny. I was talking to someone the other day and I said, I have kind of a hard job because most women want weight loss. And I have to come in and say, wait, <laughs> pause for one second. Let's mm-hmm. talk this through first. Like, let's understand where that's coming from and how you want it and why you want it and why going back on that diet that didn't work for you seven times isn't going to work for you for the eighth time, you know? And like, and, and, kind of coming in and, and explaining like the psychology behind weight loss. I mean, it really is a whole thing. Of, it's crazy, but you know, it's also like, it's, it's what our brain identifies with, right? If I change my nutrition and exercise, I change my body weight loss equals weight loss. So yeah. Yeah. speaking of that, I have another question for you. I'm yeah. interested in this question. <laughs> so some, how do I phrase this question? what would you, let's discuss vanity metrics. Mm-hmm. And I have a lot of women that are like, I, I, I don't know how I feel about like put, putting my, my vanity, vanity isn't probably the best word, but like mm-hmm. putting my body image in that way, or like 
it's yeah. feeling like maybe it's not a good thing to focus on the image of her body. Totally. But I kind of want to bring it back for you to have that discussion about your relationship with your body and how macro supports that and how metric goals come into it. Yeah, no, I think it's it's an excellent question. And I get a lot of clients who um, we talk a lot about goals. We talk about because you can't figure out where you're what you're going to do next until you figure out where you're wanting to go. Right. So we have to talk about what what is your goal? Where do you want to go? What is the outcome that you want to create? And then we can reverse engineer the process to get you there. And I have a lot of women who come on a coaching call and are like almost ashamed of their goals or like feel like they're vain, right? Like I have a vain goal of getting a six pack and um, almost like judgment around those goals. And I totally get where that comes from. Um, I feel like society swung really far to the diet culture society. And I feel like we're going through a kind of a revolution where in some ways we're swinging really far to like the body positivity and that you can't, you can't love yourself and want to change yourself simultaneously. Like those things can't coexist. And so there's in both aspects, I think the, I think the enemy is really judgment of women's bodies, like judging and judging other people's goals. Uh, and so I think I'm all for body autonomy. You do what you want with your body. Like it's not my role to judge your goals or to judge what you want to do with your body. Um, and I think when we start policing other people's goals and calling them vain and calling them wrong, then we're getting into a really tentative territory. What I will say about physical goals, it's not about the goal. <laughs> it's about who you become in the process of reaching for the goal. And this is where I teach goal setting in a little bit different than a lot of people in that I really truly believe in setting these like big, crazy outcome goals that you want to achieve and then not really caring whether you get there, but rather so when I set these goals, whether it's my business, whether it's in fitness, whatever it is, I set these goals, not necessarily because I'm going to be better or cooler or happier when I get there, but because I re recognize that in order to reach that goal, I have to become a different person. I have to up-level myself in different ways. And that is what the real goal is. So the goal is not actually the goal. The goal is who I become in the process of reaching for the goal. And that is what I found and what I find. So that was where my like six pack was about. It was like, I haven't been able, ever able to get there. I haven't ever become that person that I would need to become in order to create that result. And the things that I learned about myself during that time allowed me to grow as a human being. So whether or not I got a six pack isn't really, doesn't really matter. It was the growth that happened. And I would say when we're talking about vanity metrics, when we're talking about a certain size pants, we're not talking about Am I a little bit healthier? Do I have like, like if I drops five pounds, is my blood pressure gonna be all magically healthier? Whatever, right? Like for a lot of women, that's not what we're talking about. We're talking about vanity things. Like I wanna be a size six or I wanna whatever. Can we set that goal and simultaneously release expectation about it and instead focus on who we are becoming in the process of reaching for that goal? And if you don't like who you are becoming as you reach for that goal, maybe we shouldn't be reaching for that goal. And that's what I find with a lot of women is like, they'll set a goal to do a fitness competition or get a six pack or whatever. And in the process of reaching for that goal, they become someone they don't really like. They become really short with their kids and they're angry all the time and they're hungry and they're like, um, you know, can't like 
can't stand their husband when he's at home because it grates on their nerves. And like the person that they become in the pursuit of that goal is not someone that they like or that they want. And so I would say if that's happening and in pursuit of a goal, you're becoming someone that you don't want to be, maybe that goal isn't for you. But at the same time, that doesn't mean that goal isn't for somebody else. So just because you trying to get a six pack turns you into a person that you don't like, doesn't mean that that happens for somebody else. And so that's where we can kind of say, this works for me, this is what I want to achieve, and that has nothing to do with what, what you want to achieve. I love that. I feel like this whole conversation is like a bunch of quotes I could put up on the wall. <laughs> so good. And yeah, like it just, I talk so much about that process goals and outcome goals, yeah. right? Like how much better do you feel when you can say like, I've been to the gym, every day for the last three months or whatever, you know, whatever we want to call it versus that scale says something. What do you become in the process of showing up for yourself every single day? Yeah. And does that make that number, that end goal as significant, right? It's the opportunity to work toward it. That is where the significance lies. And I think that's so, so beautiful. Um, so I have a question for you then. What, what would it look like for someone if maybe someone on the continuum is feeling like maybe they're, they've done some work to heal their relationship with their body and with food. Um, what does it kind of look like to do that with macros? So like keeping that relationship strong and incorporating the macros into it. Yeah, that's a really good question. And I wish more women would ask that question. <laughs> I wish more women would ask me that question. And here's what I will say for somebody who feels like, yeah, I'm, I'm at that point where I'm ready to add that next layer. That's kind of how I look at it. It's like layers, right? So it's like, we have the layer of like healing your relationship with your body, healing your relationship with food. And once we feel like we have that foundation, like the next layer may be, okay, now I have some goals that I want to reach. What do I need to tweak in order to get there? Now, here's the mistake that most women make when they get to that point. They're impatient and they want it yesterday. And so when they start implementing tools, they go to the extreme and they, they crank on the knobs, right? If we can think about like tweaks that we make to our diet, tweaks that we make to our, our workouts, they like go and they like crank that knob on both sides and they like, cause they want it now. And so they're like throwing all, you know, they go into a caloric deficit and it's as deep as possible and they're adding cardio and they're like, it's like, it just becomes the extreme because they want it fast. And so if we're thinking about this in layers, how can we start to make the least amount of change, the littlest amount of change to what you're already doing that's going to start producing results for you rather than making the biggest change possible and then getting frustrated when we like can't stick to it and we're like beating ourselves up and all that self-sabotage. And so if you're at that place where you're like, okay, I'm ready to start layering on nutrition. I'm ready to start layering on this next step. Now we can start talking about, and this is why I have all of my clients track a week of normal intake, because what I want you to do is from that normal intake, I want you to start making tweaks, not taking your normal intake and like changing it all entirely. And that's what a lot of women do when they come into macro counting because They go plug their numbers into a calculator and their calculator tells them that they should eat 160 grams of protein. And previously they were eating 60 grams of protein and then they feel like a failure because they can't get 160 grams of protein, right? Again, we're bringing that diet mentality of like, this is the right way to do it 
rather than saying, hey, I'm eating, I'm eating 60 grams of protein, I know that because I tracked my normal intake, what would happen if I focused on eating 75 grams of protein, <laughs> right? Like, like just making those small tweaks rather than feeling like you have to jump to um, the, perfect, the perfect plan to be able to, again, this is that balance between effective and enjoyable. How can we still keep it enjoyable, still keep what you're doing, and just make tweaks to start to baby step it towards more effective for whatever goal you're trying to reach? I love that. And if I know everyone here is listening, but you can see behind me, I have a book on tiny habits because I believe in tiny habits and showing up little by little. And the analogy, I know we've probably both shared this several times of like climbing a ladder. You can't just jump to the top of the ladder, right? You go one step at a time. And the closer those steps are together, the, the easier it is going to be instead of like taking these huge leaps between the rungs of the ladder, you're taking little steps and you're getting there consistently over time. So, well, this has been so fun. And I want to know any final parting words of wisdom, anything you feel like you want to say <laughs> before we sign off? Uh, yeah. So I think, um, I, I love that like Elizabeth is willing to have this conversation because I feel like we kind both of us are just like these, like the middle is such a happy place to be. <laughs> like whenever there's two extremes, like I always, I always joke. I'm like, whenever there's two extremes, I'm like kind of in the middle, <laughs> just like, I can always see like kind of both sides. I can kind of sit in the middle and enjoy that like middle ground. And it's so nice um, to have somebody who's is able to come from a different perspective and yet and I feel like we come from the opposite perspectives and yet meet in the middle. And it's, it's just awesome to be able to have um, the experience of talking to someone from a different background, from a different angle, um, and be able to have these like frank conversations. I think if we have these conversations uh, more, like it would only benefit both diet culture and both body positivity. And maybe we could find this like happy middle ground where like both can coexist simultaneously. I truly believe that you can love the body that you have and at the same time want to change it. Um, and not that that changing it's going to make you happier, not that that changing it's going to make you any more successful, but again, who you become in the process of changing, like change is part of life. Like, I feel like that is what life is about, is about continuing to rediscover who you are at a core level. And I believe that all of us have so much more potentiality than we even recognize. And so it's like, life is just about starting to discover those things that were already inside of us all along and starting to strip away at like who we think we are and discovering more of who we really are, which when we start to get a, a sight of like the infiniteness infant, I don't even know if that's a word, but like the vastness, the grandness, the amazingness that we really are on the inside, like that is the purpose of life. And that happens by growth and it happens by continuing to challenge yourself. And for me and a lot of my clients, we love to do that in the fitness realm. Like we love to, to bring that growth and that challenge in the fitness realm, um, but I don't want it to stop in the fitness realm. And so I bring my clients in and we talk about this in terms of setting goals, who you need to become, like up-leveling yourself, growth, discomfort in the realm of fitness. And then what I find is that clients start to take those same principles and they apply it to their parenting and they apply it to their family relationships and they apply it to their career. And the best thing that I love is when women have gone through Macros 101 and then they come and they're like, 
I got the confidence to go back to school. We had someone just recently who published her first book. Like we have had multiple women start businesses because they've developed the confidence of seeing, seeing what they could do in the realm of fitness and how much potential they had. And they were able to take it to other areas of their life and uh, it expands. And so these principles that, you know, we're teaching, you may think, oh, it's just macro counting. Like <laughs> how life changing can that be? But it's not the fact of just the macro counting. It's the fact of setting goals, becoming someone new and starting to strip away at what you, who you thought you were and recognizing actually who you are. I love that. I absolutely love it. It's about finding that sweet spot. And, you know, that's, that's probably like my biggest joy too, is seeing my clients and the women in the food freedom program doing the same thing where like when they release the stress and the weight of food and their body, they show up for their life in ways they never realized they could. And just like, I have one that's, you know, working on starting their own business and like, just, it's just beautiful so awesome. to see that. So, awesome. so I love that. I just, I feel like, amen. <laughs> Should we just say amen? <laughs> um, okay. Before we go, you did something fun with me on your podcast and I want to yeah. do it with you because I think it's a really fun rapid fire questions. Hey. And this one's specifically for me. Cause I'm curious, do you know your Enneagram number? Uh, the Enneagram? Yes. I'm a three. three. Like, okay. Yeah. Like hardcore three. Which is funny. I don't really know them except I'm an eight. And I wondered if you were an eight. Oh. So <laughs> no, uh, I think threes and eights, like, I think I went back and forth, but the three is an achiever. And that is absolutely like, it's, it's, you know, there's always like light sides and dark sides to everything. And there's an absolute light side to being an achiever. Um, I'm really good at setting goals. I'm really good at like putting my head down and working towards them. And it's served me very well in life to be able to get where I'm at. And then the dark side of the achiever is that they tend to put their worth on productivity and like how much they can accomplish and do. And so worth is based off of like doing rather than being. And so I have to catch myself. That's something that I have to, to, I constantly am like, aware of and like have to work on is not placing my worth onto my business and how productive it is or how productive I am during the day or, you know, whatever, just separating those two. Like my worth is separate from what I do. Yeah. Maybe I'm a three. <laughs> that sounds so similar to <laughs> I me. I find a lot of entrepreneurs are threes, but threes and eights are like, um, they have a lot of similarities. What is eight called? I forget. I'm not sure. Except that many people would be shocked to find this out, but with an eight, you're, you tend to be a little bit more aggressive. And my husband has always told me I'm not a very sensitive person, but I would think that like when I show up here, I am so sensitive and, and, and kind, but like for some reason in my home relationships, maybe yeah. it doesn't show up. <laughs> the eight, the eight is the challenger. So, uh, eights are self-confident, strong, and assertive so that you can see how like some of like the challenger and the, um, achiever kind of overlap. Um, but I'm definitely an achiever. That's fun. Yeah. I just think it's really fun to learn those things about yourself and mm -hmm. just kind of know, and my husband is a nine. And so I think those are like the a fire and ice ones. Yeah. Nine is a peacemaker. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm the challenger. He's the peacemaker. It really works well. <laughs> I always get my way pretty much. Okay. Um, <laughs> favorite vacation spot. I want to know. Oh my gosh. Um, so my husband and I just recently went to Hawaii a year ago, right? Like literally right before COVID hit. 
And uh, it was like magical. It was, we spent a week, it was just the two of us. We went to Oahu and it was like literally the most magical experience. We've wanted to go, I've never been to Hawaii. That was like, I'm 37 years old. I had never been to Hawaii. And it had always been something, for those of you guys who know my backstory, my husband's a physician, which means we've gone through lots and lots and lots of schooling and have been poor for a lot of our lives. And so Hawaii was always those things like when we're done with training, when we're done with residency, when we're done with fellowship, when we're actually like, you know, starting to make money, we're going to go to Hawaii. So we finally did it last year. So that holds a lot of like specialness in my heart because we waited so long <laughs> for that trip. And it literally happened. We got home February, we left February 29th and got home like March 7th and like the world shut down on March 13th. So it was like, we just like squeaked it in like right before COVID hit. So anyway, that would be my, my answer. So fun. I, I'm all about the tropical. That's where I would go. Yeah. Um, okay. Last one. Pet peeve. Oh, uh, victim mentality. <laughs> I, yeah. I mean, that's like not a really good pet peeve. And in terms of like coaching, that's something that I'm coaching my clients out of all the time is like people who feel like life is happening to them. And when we can start to regain your power and really put you in the driver's seat and, and regain that, that power, it's just magical. Um, and so, you know, when I see victim mentality of people like feeling like they have no control, they can't do anything. It's like all the bad things are happening to them and they're just going to sit here and complain about it. I can't stand that. Yeah. I'm like, I'm going to get there and as a coach and we're going to like get you into a place of power because like I was saying, you, your being is powerful. And by sitting in that victim, you're just like covering all of that power up. Let's, let's open up that power. Yeah. I love that. I love that you brought in the coaching. It's kind of like when you go into a job interview and they're like, what's your biggest weakness? And you're like, I'm a hard worker. <laughs> I'm a perfectionist. I do everything yeah, yeah. like, I was going to say whistling, but whatever. <laughs> oh, whistling. My husband loves to my husband sings all the time. So that's something I did not know about him until I got married to him. Uh, but I've, I've grown to, we've now been married 16 years. So now I can kind of appreciate it. But if, at first I was like, you sing all the time. <laughs> like, just like burst out into song. <laughs> but yeah. That's awesome. That's awesome. Well, thank you so much for joining us today. I think it's been an amazing conversation. I feel like it's just going to keep going. I'm really excited to you know, keep going and, and support each other, um, and support our clients in the things that they need. And so thank you so much for joining me and we'll talk soon. Awesome. Thanks so much, Elizabeth. Okay. My friend, if you love the woman of wellness podcast, did you know that one of the biggest ways you can say thank you is by hitting that subscribe button and leaving a review. This helps the women that need this message have more of a chance of seeing it. And if these messages speak to you, why not share the love? I genuinely care what you think of this podcast. If this particular episode resonated with you, just copy the link and send it to a friend or share it on social media. Make sure to tag me at a woman of wellness and I will be sure to send my love right back. And while you're at it, just come hang out with me on Instagram. I share lots more support over there as well. From the bottom of my heart, thank you for being here. I absolutely mean it.